0: Welcome everybody to Daytonic Takes, I'm your usual host, Favi. I'm not actually at this interview, but I want to go ahead and introduce part two of the Ted Ramey interview. So I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. It is interesting. And San Jose sports in general, like it's there's a lot of passion in that city. And it's in an interesting position in the Bay Area where it's the largest city in the Bay Area by population. Yeah. But because San Francisco and Oakland, they're cultural centers and they're connected by the Bay Bridge, sometimes... San Jose can sort of feel like the third wheel of the Bay area of the three major cities. So this leads into the next question. How is it covering multiple sports for the bone and KMBR? And how, is it a bit of a balancing act to make sure the sharks and earthquakes uh, get a similar amount of love as the San Francisco and Oakland based teams?
1: Yeah. I mean, like when I was at KMBR, they wanted you to talk about the giants, the warriors, and the 49ers first and mm-hmm. foremost, because those three were there. Then the um, Warriors went to the game, and then it was still the Giants and the 49ers first and foremost. They didn't really want you talking about the Sharks until it was the postseason. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, you know, like, were not really that big on doing much Quakes talk other than, like, again, if it was the playoffs or something, or opening day, something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, The difference is, is like, and the bone always gave me, uh, they said, you know, tell whatever you want to talk about. Uh, go for it. Um, At KCBS though, because they're an all news station, when I do sports for them, they for sure want to make sure that you mention the South Bay, because they know that it's the most populous city in the Bay Area, that there's a lot Mm -hmm. of people there. There's more people there than any other city. And they know that so many of the listeners feel like they're treated like the third wheel and they Mm -hmm. care about the sharks and they care about the earthquakes. Um, And it's just, you know, you have to look at it in the vein of like, the teams that were here first were the 49ers and the Giants and the Warriors and the A's. And that was what a lot of the old generation grew up with. And I'm not trying to right. be ageist here or anything like that, but no. like the quakes and the sharks came later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the dichotomy of how it breaks down. That's the way we look at this. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think that you get a lot of people who um, just aren't that into hockey or like there was the, you know, the seals briefly, Um, in the Bay area for a while, but they didn't last. And then like the games that people grew up were always football, baseball and basketball. Um, And then even then it changed like I talked to my dad about this, um, about how there used to be a much bigger market for Cal and Stanford and San Jose state football and basketball, um, you know, as well as the San Francisco schools. And that all changed when, you know, the shift in the seventies started happening towards particularly the the warriors and then in the nfl it went from being more of a college town to an nfl town <laughs> with the raiders and the 49ers um and so like he there's an ebb and flow and as we see it happening now like i said you know i, I do think that soccer and nba will be the eventual kings because i think football is going to run into some trouble with uh, insurance because of all the the head injuries and i think that's going to mm-hmm. limit uh, limit things and that's a whole nother discussion um, but I think there's also less people that want their kids playing football. Um, but I think that's, you know, one thing soccer has going forward and you have all these people in the South Bay. Um, but I do think that like, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I looked at it, um, and why the thing with the Sharks started, was because like, Hey, like sports talk, it wasn't covering it. And, um, you know, when I was at KMBR, I was pretty much me and Ryan Covey, who's now at the game. Um, we were the only dudes who talked about the sharks there really, unless it was the postseason. Um, hmm. and Cove works for the quakes on game day. He does social for them. Uh, not right now during the pandemic, but, uh, Cove was also, he's also a big, uh, soccer guy, Liverpool fan as well.
2: Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like, not a United fans, so, <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. That's okay.
1: <laughs> but, uh, you know, like he, there, there is that, you know, they don't get enough talk and it's unfortunate. Um, and, you know, like, listen, that's what they do. They they talk about the teams that they have on the air. That's fine. And they recognize that a lot of their listening audience um, just wants to talk about the Giants or the Warriors or the 49ers. And, like, the A's and the Raiders get that treatment to the same extent as well. Like, the game didn't want to talk about the A's when they were on their airwaves. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a mistake. But, you know, that's, that's their prerogative. Um, but I think that you're going to see more and more of the shift just because San Jose is becoming more and more of a power. And especially I think that the pandemic is reshaping the Bay area is they're going to be less, you know, people, more people are going to be working home, not as many people driving into the city. Um, and I think that there are people who were commuting to the city from other parts of the Bay area who now might be more inclined to be more of a fan of the A's as opposed to the giants or be more of a fan of the sharks as opposed to the 49ers. And I mean, it, it gets complicated too. Cause it's like, it's the San Francisco 49ers who play in Santa Clara County. And you know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, what, like, <laughs> like, so which, like which market are we trying to get here the San Francisco market or this, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated, but um, you know, it's, things change. I guess that's the best way to, to look at it. And I don't think that the the earthquakes and the sharks will be third wheel status forever. Mm. Um, and I think you see it like, how did all these giants fans get here? Generations of giants fans. Mm -hmm. My kids are inundated with earthquakes and sharks gear. They have, you know, I buy them hats and shorts and shirts and sweatshirts. Um, and that's more the norm. And it's more the norm for people today to have grown up sharks fans and their kids will be sharks fans. And it's more than a norm for people to have grown up as soccer fans now. And their kids have more of the opportunity to be soccer fans and be earthquakes fans Um, And so it's you know it's it's a process, but you know like I said earlier, 2010 to 2020, and you go 1994 to 2002. I mean, it's just like you look at these differences of time, things always change. And my dad always brings it up when talking about how popular the NBA is now. He's like, Ted, the NBA finals until the late 80s were on tape delay. He's like, they were not on live. He was like, I would say scores on KCBS, and he said people would call me to complain that i that i ruined the game for them and he's like i don't care it's my job to tell the score like the game's ongoing <laughs> like that was they think about that like that was not that long ago like that was when yeah. magic and larry were starting to make the nba really blow up and they were Icons. on tape delay and people try to like and people try to say oh so, like i heard i listen i love tom Tolbert, but he was like soccer's never gonna make it in america he was talking about this a couple weeks ago he's like it's never gonna be number one that's just not how it is and i'm like But dude, it wasn't, it was taped late in the eighties until magic and Michael and Larry changed the game. Like, like baseball used to be the unequivocal King. Now it's going to be passed in viewership by soccer in the next couple of years. Now, granted there's Liga MX, premier league, MLS, uh, La Liga champions league, but still that means total viewership is going to soccer. It's already passed hockey. And right now, baseball is only percentage points higher than soccer viewership in the United States. No one would have said that was possible 20 years ago. And if you if you don't believe me, there's a Gallup poll. Just search Gallup poll, uh, soccer viewership surpasses hockey, and it'll list all this information talking about how soccer is only percentage points behind baseball now. And, like, that's the thing. is like this, it's a changing dynamic. It's a changing market. It's a changing viewership idea. And so, yeah, like the NBA was not one of the top sports until it was and dude Mm -hmm. go back way before our time boxing and horse racing were king certainly Mm -hmm. not anymore i mean like it it changes and i think that that's you know gonna happen more and more with with uh with san jose sports um and i think people will probably pay more and more attention because you're gonna have generations of sharks and quakes fans the same way you have generations excuse me of uh, of giants Mm and 49ers fans so it's you know it's There's nothing ever stays the same, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Got it. So how was it like working with such a big sports personality like Damon Bruce? I know a lot of our listeners come to our podcasts and other San Jose podcasts because Damon is like allergic to MLS. He barely talks about soccer in general. I think he maybe says four or five he said four or five sentences total during the entire 2018 World Cup and (laughs) like even that must've been painful for him. So, but he's a great personality and he does a great job at his radio station. Oh yeah. The game.
1: No, Damon's like, Damon's a good friend and I I love him to death. uh, But he does not give an (laughs) F about (laughs) soccer. Like, and But here's the thing is like, he is, I want to say he's like 45 years old. So you, that's seven years older than me. And I was 13 at that first MLS game. Now I'd say like the ages of eight to 16 are your most impressionable sports years. Like that's when you're mm-hmm. most like, that's when like the, the imprint is made forever. And that's why Steve young and Michael Johnson and Jerry rice, Um, you go down the list of those players. Like those are the guys that are like icons in my head. So like mm-hmm. Damon was already <clears> 20 <throat> ish when that started. So like, he's already beyond that. And soccer wasn't like a thing in America, but like mm-hmm. for, if you're under 40, the way i kind of look at it is like you had major league soccer in the world cup come about at an impressionable age and you had the women's world cup in 1999 coming about in an an impressionable age and you had the epl come about in an impressionable Mm -hmm. age and like kids that are you know like 18 years old like dude i go anywhere and you see kids wearing manchester city or united kits or you see them wearing you know barcelona or you see them wearing chivas like that's normal. I see more messy jerseys walking around than I do like Buster Posey. Like I don't, I don't see anybody rocking like a Giants jersey around. Like I see a lot of kids wearing soccer stuff, or they're wearing like Steph Curry. Like that's like oh, I, yeah. I look like, you know, it's like the is it the Simpsons meme where it shows Principal Skinner and he says, "Could I be wrong?" No, it's the children that are wrong. It's like no. What are the <laughs> what's the like? What does the sixteen-year-old kid think right now? Like they're not glomming on to baseball. Like, and, I, and I'm not trying to say this to be like anything against baseball, but it's like, you look at where the things that kids have mm-hmm. the opportunity to watch and what they're paying attention to. Like soccer for a 16 year old is huge compared to what it is for a dude who's 45, because it's been more than norm of what he's grown mm-hmm. up with. He's been able to watch the EPL and MLS and league MX and uh, things of that na- nature. It's more normalized. And so when you have these normalized viewing behaviors, it's going to be more of what guys pay attention to. And I mean, again, the internet and like the, the way it changed the entire dynamic of streaming and watching all these games and champions league, like it's, it's more and more a thing. So, but like Damon, again, he's, he doesn't care. And he's, I'm not, I'm not trying to say Damon's old either. I'm just saying like, there is like a clear dividing line in my eyes with my friends. Mm-hmm. Cause I have friends who are like 42 and they don't, they don't care. I mean, there are, and I'm not saying there aren't soccer fans who are over 40 There clearly are, but like, I see it. The more I go from dudes, I know that are like my age 38 and you go down to like, keep on going, like 32, 28, 25, the younger you get, the more and more soccer fans you see because it was a normalized behavior. And actually major league soccer is the only league in America where the fan base is actually getting younger right now. Previously, the only one that had been doing that was the NBA And that trend has not continued as much recently. Um, But Major League Soccer is still the only one where the fan base is getting younger. So I think that's kind of telling about soccer marketing and soccer metrics. And actually, I think some of the soccer, Major League Soccer commercials that have been out there recently um, have kind of had the same aesthetic that you've seen applied to the NBA. Because the NBA does everything better than every league. They just they 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 have been like very much the tone setters. David Stern was on top of it. Adam Mm -hmm. Silver's on top of it um they recognized that they were putting a minority face out there that they were um you know that they're a league that was composed primarily of black players and they said why are we just trying to appeal to middle-aged white men and mm-hmm. their and their wallets which I listen that's that's what you want to do in sports you want to go to the money i there's nothing wrong with that but it was like you have a product that is as much as it is being sold to white owned businesses. It was like, you have black players who represents the neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and the lifestyles of so many kids across America. And so they said, let's be that youthful league. Let's be like, yeah, we, you know, we're proud. Like basketball has had no trouble getting themselves involved in the black lives matter movement. I mean, you saw what happened with the Donald Sterling situation. It was like all that hardcore racism came out and they're like, see ya. (laughs) Like mm-hmm. to quote uh, Ken the Hawker, i like he gone. He was out. Like yeah. it did not take long because they were like, we are a league that has minority players driving our talent. You know, like Michael Jordan, like Magic Johnson, like these dudes respond and elicit reactions from kids who don't have that same. You know, th- th- they're you know this can get into a whole different discussion of society and politics in America, but it was like you have. The minority community in in America represented so beautifully in the NBA. And they went hard in on that. And they didn't try and shy away from they didn't try and make it more palatable to you know, like Midwest white America. And I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to say there's anything wrong with that, but it was like they're like, We're gonna go in on this, and it worked, and that's what the NBA has done so well. And I think that's what Major League Soccer is trying to do: is like, listen, like, we're a multicultural. There's people who are Hispanic. There's people who are black. There's people who are white. There's people who are Asian. Like we're going to embrace the melting pot and they're putting that out there. And that's, that's good. And like, like you, Chris rock, who I'm a big fan of, like he made the point of black pop culture dictates what people find as cool. It was one of his stand up acts or actually, no, he did it for mm-hmm. over HBO when talking about why baseball Uh, had such a low uh, minority uh, representation specifically among the black community. And he talked about how that's why baseball isn't as cool anymore. There aren't as many black players, black kids aren't attracted to it. If you don't have the black youth market, it's not going to be considered quote unquote cool to America. And I think that's something that the NBA is totally lean on there and be like, Hey, yeah, we're, we're not this, you know, buttoned up. It's not baseball, right? (laughs) Like The NBA is not trying to be this total, Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're letting their players be their individuals and they're, they're using the aesthetic of going after the youth. And I think major league soccer saw what the NBA did with that. And I think they're Mm -hmm. saying, we have a lot of those same aspects. Um, and the NBA has done such a great job of being like, you know, you don't like, you don't need to be rich. You don't need to be of status. You just need to have drive and you need to be able to get a ball in a hoop. And I think like, that's, that's what baseball used to be kind of, but somehow in America, we've screwed that up and made baseball exp- mm-hmm. expensive. Like, I don't, I don't know how we've done <laughs> that. We've kind of done that with soccer too. Like we've made soccer expensive, Oh my but if, God. it's yeah. like, you look at like the marketing that some of major league soccer is doing is like, they are showing young people of color because that's what represents the world game. And obviously there's tons of young people who are white as well. And I'm not trying to draw mm-hmm. dividing lines, but they're saying we like, like major league soccer is an incredible melting pot. Like, I'm talking Mm -hmm. about dudes from Ghana. I'm talking about dudes from Chile. I'm talking about guys from South Korea. I'm talking about guys from Portugal. Like, it's incredible, and it's awesome. Like, people always talk about it as, like, the world's game, and I don't think they understand that it's just, like, popular to the world. It's like, no, when you're – when I'm broadcasting a game in Major League Soccer, there are people from so many different nationalities, and I think it's amazing. Like, it blows me away that you have people from all different walks of life, all different corners of the world, Multiple, like not just like two languages being spoken, but like six, seven, eight, nine, like represented out there on the pitch, and they're all coming together for <laughs> like to make this work and score a goal. Like it's so cool, and like that, like I see with Major League Soccer is like they've started to be like, hey, yeah, like this is this isn't just one culture sport. This is everyone's sport, and you've started to see that little bit more in their advertising when they like show. Like, I think there was a Heineken ad that was a couple of years ago. They were showing people in a bunch of different kits hanging Mm -hmm. out and they showed like people of every walk of life in it. And they were not trying to show like people of status or like people of like trying to look cool or trendy and hip or that they were just showing like the community that's involved in soccer. And they were showing very young people. And I thought, I was like, this is smart. I was like, this is, this is how you sell this more. The NBA showed it so successfully previously incorporating hip hop, trying to be like more, literally hip and i've seen a little bit more of that from major league soccer i think that's the way to go with it but it's it's cool like i i you know i i I get mad at baseball a lot because i get like i think they've done such a horrible job marketing their stars Um, rob manfred dude like mike trout could walk in like to any bar in america and i don't think anybody would know who he is like no one knows like what his face looks like and like he Mm -hmm. in zlatan ibrahimovic where soccer is not the big sport here in the United States, he couldn't go around in LA because people would mob and fucked him. But like Mike Trout walks around like anonymously. Like, I don't think Mookie Betts is getting like, nobody's like rushing him on the streets. Like maybe now, but like a month ago. Yeah, Yeah, like it's, it's wild. Like, and I think that, you know, major league soccer is definitely taking a page from the NBA and marketing themselves the right way. And like, you see that with everything. Getting younger in the fan base it's it's fascinating to me and uh it's 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 the smart play it's like we have like i view and again longer discussion into politics social economics all these (laughs) things like i view the melting pot of major league soccer is such an incredible selling point and uh i just i think it's so cool like when i broadcast a game that it's literally i'm I'm like people from so many different countries i'm like this is incredible like it, just, it blows my mind, and I think, it's, I think it's so cool. I think it's such an awesome selling
0: point. I joke around, and I can think of all these different settings where it's going out to a bar or a restaurant to watch a game, going to play pickup soccer, or going to an Earthquakes game or any sort of uh, soccer game in the United States that you could take a bingo sheet and cross <laughs> things off, based on the te- the clubs and national teams of jerseys that are represented at that game and yeah. it you can make a game of it because so many different leagues so many different clubs and like in, and this is where everyone's coming from everyone has un- so many unique experiences with soccer and that is just another unique aspect that comes to them along with their personal traits that make them who they are
1: yeah it's yeah it's it's awesome man like you said like you, you see it all. Like you go to, you go to a, you go to an international game or you go to just any league game. Like you see the world so well represented. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. And uh, you know, it's, it's something that I'm I'm happy to be associated with because it's, you know, I the, again, longer political discussions, but uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't like, uh, you know, the, the, the president right now doesn't want to denounce white supremacists and that, uh, that rubs me the wrong way. And I like being associated with something like major league soccer that, is so willing to take a stand on things like black lives matter and has such awesome inclusivity and, you know, is representing the world and people from all walks of life. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's something, it's like, you want to be good. You want to be associated with something that, you know, puts out a good product, but you like also the fact that you can look at this and be like, they are taking the right cues on a societal side of things and being like, we're going to stand for something uh, that's bigger than ourselves. And I know that, you know, some Fans get turned off by that, but you know, like I'm sorry, like there's things that are bigger than soccer that these players can use their platforms for, and I'm proud that they do so. Yep.
2: Yeah, I mean, no one's gonna complain here about what the MLS is doing <laughs> with that. I mean, it's a great, uh, a great thing that they're doing, and uh, I mean, so you've been, we've been, to, excuse me, you've been talking about how you know MLS is, you know, is on the rise. And you know, for us, we're, we're, the question we have, I'm going to kind of rephrase it: is you know, how do how do we see that it's not going on the rise? How do we get more radio stations to help the climate of soccer in the United States? Um, You know, I'm not sure
1: that it's even quote unquote radio stations. I think it's more stuff like this, like podcasts. Like you, you fans are so good at finding what they want to find. You know, like the radio sports talk radio is dominated by the NFL primarily and then local market baseball and there is some NBA in there and then it's kind of everything else. Um, But like, I mean, you guys do this. You're not the only Quakes podcast. You're mm-hmm. not the only soccer podcast. Like there's, there's a lot of people in there who have this fan interest and want to go out there and produce content. And there's a thirst for the content. And in my opinion, it's like, there literally can't be enough content for, for anybody that's not the NFL, you know, it's like the NFL is literally. I can't walk out the door without being told an injury report about a team. It's it's unbelievable. It's like I wish I was joking, but like it's all. I feel like yeah. it is that way. <laughs> it's like open the front door and it's just like bam. No. Like there, It's you know that's how the NFL is, and they've done a great job of. The NFL is brilliant in making news out of everything, but like you, like everybody who's a soccer fan in the United States. And again, I keep on making this dividing line of like. Above and below forty years old is they're internet savvy. Mm-hmm. They know how to find these podcasts. They know how to find, you know, they know Sirius XmFC and they go and they find what they want to listen to. And they know that it's available on Patreon. They know it's available on different podcast platforms. They know it's available on YouTube and you have people putting mm-hmm. out the content. And I think it's cool because you don't get as much of the you know, i I love what ESPN is. Like I I respect what what they do and what they are. But it's also such a production at times. It's like sometimes I want to listen to guys like you talk about a team. I don't want to hear about all the guests and I don't want it to be, you know, like it's not contrived. It's like I know sometimes when I'm watching Stephen A. Smith, I'm like, he doesn't believe this. He just wants to be upset about something, And that's cool (laughs) because that's showbiz. And I understand like I have for the sake of an argument, I have said things that I don't agree with because I know it'll elicit reaction. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And I understand that's part of it. And everybody does that, whatever. But it's so produced at that level that it loses something. And that's because it has to be accessible to everyone. You have to have kind of not bland, but kind of like wide reaching statements so that everybody can say, I disagree with that and tweet about it and stuff. But like for an earthquakes fan, I think they want to hear two guys talk about the team to have their, their feelings and their fandom validated. They want to see if people disagree or agree with them, and they don't want to deal with the BS that's maybe associated in some of the bigger conversations. Um, and I think that we get that with the different podcasts that are out there with Series 6, MFC. Um, and, like, if it does become more of a talking point on radio, that's great because I think that that'll be more of a sign of how successful soccer in America has become. And if it gets that point, great. But I think right now there's no lack of content. Like, dudes are doing mm-hmm. – an incredible job of getting it out there um and i think that you know it's that's the way it's got to be like there's a there's a grassroots feeling about it that i think is, is that people want more than the heavily produced espn stuff not again and i i totally get where that comes from and i think they're great at it but i think you know my my bad buddy complained to me today he's like terry bradshaw just made a statement about the 49ers he's like he said they're getting healthy. He's like, why does he think that? He's like, the 49ers are not healthy at all. He's like, they just beat an overrated Patriots team. He's like, but they might as well have leprosy. They're not getting healthy. They just beat him. And he's like, he's like, Terry Bradshaw doesn't know anything about the 49ers. Then, like, he was just he was complaining. This like like, no, probably not. He's got to know a little bit about every team. And that kind of takes away. But like, you guys have an intimate, in-depth knowledge about the team, where I think somebody who's interested in the earthquakes is going to get more out of that than if they listen to something that was going to quick hit on all the big topics in the sports world that might hit on the earthquakes and might not, you know, they they know how to get it. But again, if we get to the point where soccer is being discussed on more on sports talk radio in general, then that's, that's all good for soccer. That just means things continue to trend in the right direction.
0: Yeah. So you're also one of, one of the play by play commentators for the Oakland roots. So some could say you are a voice of Bay area sports what impact do you think the Oakland Roots will have on the Bay Area soccer scene and of San Jose Earthquakes?
1: Um, you know, I think the Roots are doing all the good things that they can. They're really good at activating the community. I think it sucks that everything they did in their first year got kind of washed by the pandemic because mm-hmm. I know they were planning on doing more stuff this year. Um, you know, they they do really good with their marketing. They have a really cool logo. Um, they've been doing um, the you know the Oaklandish style stuff they they're just good for the bay area because i know that like you know also this is uh trying to think of the best way not everybody wants to drive to san jose so like (laughs) let's just let's just get that out of the the ordinary not anybody it's just like people who live in you know santa clara or moran who are 49ers fans they don't want to drive to levi's stadium and then people who live in Concord don't always want to drive to San Francisco to see a Giants game. And so like, they might end up going to an A's game, you know? So mm-hmm. if there are people who live in, you know, Oakland who don't want to go to San Jose, now they have an option to go watch some soccer and some good soccer in their backyard. And I'm not trying to you know, Cause I know people in San Jose are like, Oh, come on, man. Like what? Like I get it. I understand the arguments. They don't want to hear me say yeah. that, but it's true. Like people like traffic in the Bay area, even a pandemic is unbelievably bad. So, like, if you have the Oakland Roots right there, what essentially you're doing is you're giving people an option to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they they had a good product, and they, they've they had a good product, and people have been enjoying it. It's just unfortunate people can't go out the way they could and see it. And now that they're USL, uh, you know, I think that's going to do good things as well. And it just shows that there's more of a market for soccer. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, you know, you can be a Roots fan and an Earthquakes fan as well. Um, and I hope they keep on, you know, just, keeping it going forward. I mean, I you get worried about the long-term effects of this pandemic stuff, man. It's like you, these teams need these gates. I mean, everything but the NFL in my opinion, the NFL could operate in the sound stage with their TV contracts. Every other sport in America needs people in the stands. I mean, A because it's better for people mm-hmm. and the athletes, but like you need the the money, you need the revenue, you need the the the, the money coming in and for for smaller organizations um i mean look at what happened to minor league baseball this year just communities that live off that stuff and think of all the broadcasters that were put out of work and think about all the concession workers and think about i mean in the bay area we're like oh we have all these teams and there's people who work it's like yeah but like what about all the businesses like it's yeah it's the people who got put out of work at the stadiums it's the people who own all the businesses around the stadiums and people who work for those businesses that are you know independently owned around the stadiums and stuff like it's just you hope that there's no long-term impact that they can weather the storm and that we can get our act together with this stuff so that we can get back to having fans in the stadium. Like I, again, I know that the roots have good financial backing, but like, you know, so does everything until all the revenues stop. I mean, it just, it sucks. They, they you know, these people are all being hurt by it. You know, it's, there's fa- fans are at sporting events for a reason.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Oakland Roots are going to be very interesting to see play in the USL championship in 2021. Uh, knocked on wood. Hopefully that goes as planned and uh, it's going to be interesting for me personally, because I am from Oakland. So there's, I have a really in Oakland Roots. I went to college at UC Davis. So I went to Sacramento Republic games. Reno yes. happened to be the, USL affiliate of San Jose Earthquakes and now I currently live in San Diego so I have that connection to San Diego Loyal so my (laughs) USL loyalties are all all over the place but I'm so happy because having lived in all these places uh, I know that there's a proud soccer culture across the state of California and we can include Nevada in there to include Reno then it's great I think all these places deserve to have some level of soccer to cheer for and the reality is, like, there is a uh, finite level of MLS expansion. We don't know yet where it is, but they will reach it at some point. And just like in any other league system in the world, uh, we can talk about promotion and relegation in depth another day, but the way you get more and more of these communities involved is through building a soccer system that goes multiple divisions deep. And I think the USL Championship and all the USL leagues – are doing a great job these last five to ten years building that foundation and the quality of play, um, watching USL championship matches on ESPN Plus has been pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing is like you have ESPN Plus now. Like that's people didn't have the ability to watch USL stuff as widely as they did. They were independent streams of stuff, and now people mm-hmm. can check it out. And like before games, um at earthquakes games, since ESPN Plus has had everything, like me and Joe would be watching Reno games, and like on the way back from games on the bus with the earthquakes, a bunch of the players, we and myself included, we all be on our phones live streaming Reno's games or watching, you know, the playoffs or seeing what Sac Republic was doing or seeing what you know India Eleven, whatever, whatever it was, we would be watching those games. And like you have that availability. I mean, that's what the internet makes so amazing. I know there's still like a lot of trouble in totally figuring out all the ratings for the streams and live events that are on tv at the same time but i'm like it's available like there's a market for it and now people are able to watch it and people are able to like the minute you have more of that accessibility you have the ability to grow a fan base and there's no reason you can't be a fan of reno 1868 and now that sacramento is moving to um major league soccer assuming everything (laughs) operates as normally going forward is like you can be a fan of Reno 1868 and the next geographic close team is Sacramento. Even if you are the affiliate of the earthquakes, maybe you find it's easier to take that quick flight to Sacramento out of Reno and it's less expensive than it is. Jose. whatever your reasoning is, or maybe you do want to be an earthquakes fan. Like it's accessible. Like that's the exact same thing you had with the EPL before is that suddenly who had it first Fox sports had it. And then it went to NBC, but it was accessible in the United States and there was a market for it. And there's, as soon as there's a market for it and as soon as you get people paying attention to it, you know, success, begets success, more people are going to glom on. And obviously there's a relative limit for all these things, but it's still the availability, like just having the streams and the opportunity to watch these things. It, it makes it awesome. You just, you didn't have that before. And that's, I think that, you know, there was such a blockade. It was like, you had the big three in North America, which are football, baseball, basketball, dominating the television. Hockey also is, you know, the the next one. And then soccer now, because there's so much availability with the internet, you have the ability to grow the fan base in a whole different way. And especially the people who were there all along now feel validated that they can watch all these streams and have this new access to it that they never did before. And it's like me, like as soon as the German soccer came back from the pandemic, I started watching more Bundesliga than I ever did before because I could go get a stream of it. I could sit there and prep for a game and, put on, you know, something on my iPad and have it on. And, like, I wasn't doing that as much before. But, like, suddenly I could stream it and it was on. Like, you have the availability and the opportunity that wasn't there before. It's it's awesome.
0: All right. Yeah. And just looking at some of the players on the Oakland Roots roster real quick, there's some familiar names there. Nana Atacora, there's Nelson Blanco, a young Salvadorian, Tristan Bowen, Jack McInerney, the former MLS Super Draft First overall pick so oakland roots are not messing around they're going to try to be uh, competitive in their first year similar to san diego loyal were this Mm -hmm. year so it's going to be exciting to watch and i think it's coming at an interesting time for oakland with the warriors they're still just across the bay in san francisco but also the raiders moving to las vegas so maybe it can fill even a fraction of that void and that would be great for the community
1: yeah i agree and i think it sucks that uh the war i mean i listen money talks and that's why the Mm -hmm. warriors left and you know the raiders couldn't get anything done here with the stadium that's why they went to las vegas but like i look at it in the viewpoint of like how much local representation there is for you know young kids in in oakland it's like if you were a young kid in oakland if you're a young black kid in oakland you could point to Marshawn lynch or you could point to Mm -hmm. steph curry and be like that i They, they, you know there could be that I understand that like I have that immediately it's like who do you who do you associate yourself with and now those are gone And like that sucks and like especially because you know like there's problems of gentrification in Oakland and there's just the, the the squeeze on the minority community in general it's like you having that ability to identify with these local athletes taken away I think really sucks and like again I know money talks like we can go down that road all day and never reach a different conclusion because that's just how it is but i think the roots offer a little bit of that it's like you have the opportunity to see people from every walk of life right in your backyard again like the the community is involved and if you give community the ability to identify and involve themselves with what you're offering on the on the field because like even if we want to talk about what sport it is it's entertainment and Mm -hmm. if a kid who is white, black, Argentinian, Indonesian, whatever it is, if he goes to an event and sees an athlete on the pitch that he identifies with and sees his community also surrounding himself and identifying and cheering with that athlete, that's only going to have a a net positive, right? Like, that's that's why I think it's crappy that, you know, the Warriors left because, like, the Warriors were so resoundingly Oakland. Like, the Raiders... Like we can talk all day about Al Davis going to LA and then back and I, but whatever, but like the Warriors were so supremely Oakland and like that energy in the building, it was working class. You had people blue collar in there and that's why it made it so amazing to watch them go from an absolutely adrift franchise under Chris Cohen to getting the new ownership in there and suddenly having Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and, those guys all being drafted and built up in the team and just everybody glommed onto them. And it was so real. It was so natural. And that's gone. I mean, I know it's across the Bay, but like tickets are way more expensive and it's in this shiny brand new building. That's so corporatized. It's so just, it's beautiful, but it's not, you know, it's not the Coliseum arena. It's not Oracle. It's mm-hmm. you know, Oracle. There was history when you walked in the building, you know, like you knew that, Guys like Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan had played here, and that Steph Curry and Clay Thompson made their made their names here, and that you know the We Believe Warriors happened there. Like that's that's all gone. It Doesn't happen there anymore. And so for (laughs) the roots, there is that void now. And like I I think that it has the opportunity to have that same type of organic feel to it because soccer is on the rise in America, and like there can be a buildup, and this offers. Offers kids the opportunity to really see the game up close and personal at an accessible, affordable level, which is what you want sports to be. I mean, that's again, (laughs) I can bring up these long conversations (laughs) about affordability and things like that. Um, And now, like, they're providing another option for that. They're providing kids the, the aspect and the ability of seeing somebody that represents their community and somebody they can go out there and identify with and go out and watch and be entertained. Like, that's it, has all those things kind of wrapped up in and of itself and so you hope that it does grow and offer those things that have now been left you know as a void um in in oakland in particular so you know i hope they i hope that they are given the opportunity that this pandemic calms down that
2: people can go out there and watch them do their thing i think it's awesome do you think there's a chance that the Oakland Roots uh, could make it to the um mls or do you think the presence of sacramento will kind of damper that
1: i think sacramento and the earthquakes i think they have the two rights on quote unquote northern california teams don't Mm -hmm. quote me on that but i think that's technically what it's allotted for Um, and obviously everything can change um but i you know i don't think it would happen um, at least not anytime soon um but i mean if you want to go long long term you would say you would love the idea of northern california being able to put sacramento and San Jose and an Oakland team in major league soccer. Uh, but, you know, then you get into the whole arguments of territorial rights and things like that, which I think are just allocated to Sacramento and San Jose right now. But um, it would, I mean, it would be cool. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. the idea of, it, of the league growing to that point where it could sustain all of that, that would ultimately um, be good for
0: everyone. All right. So then Now we want to talk a little bit about your show. So in your show, The Soccer Hour, do you know how many episodes that you have recorded? Because we're curious because like as we run a podcast as well, like it's just fun to like celebrate those milestones.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I thought about this before um, we started doing it a week before the season began in 2016 and it's been once a week ever since. Um, So I think we're probably getting close to 300 episodes. Um, Some of their, you know, a couple of them have been best ofs. usually around like Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'll put together some good interviews from the past um, and kind of use that as just kind of like, okay, like this is what we're going to do this week and just kind of use some older stuff. Um, But uh, which is kind of like the norm of what they do on 680 when it's the holidays, they do best of shows. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I guess we got to be closing in on 300 shows. I don't have the exact number. What I, what I'll do now, um, is I'll go after every invoice I have and see how many episodes (laughs) we've actually done. But yeah, I mean, we like just doing the the straight math like that. It's got to be closing in on 300.
0: Yeah. I'll take your word for it. No need (laughs) to make you do all those digging, but uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Congratulations on the work you've done there.
1: Thank you. Yeah. We have fun with it. Um, you know, It's, you know, it used to be just me and then Marv joined um, because he's been working for the Quakes, which is cool because like before it was me and then I would bring on the interview guests and talk about subjects around soccer. But, you know, it's like the same thing as like with Joe on the color commentary for the broadcast, like me as a guy who never played, there's only so much I can see no matter how much I study, no matter how much I watch, no matter how much I try and learn, I'm limited just because joe and marv on the soccer hour they played it they have experience that i can never that i can never have like i said unless i get that call up you know seems a little bit bit shaky um i'm never gonna know what it's like to be in the locker room i'm never gonna know what it's like to you know be in a you know 93rd minute trying to cross one into wando like these these things that's just not it's never going to be part of my arsenal um so with Marv on it now, like I get his perspective and Marv's just the coolest dude in the world. And it sucks that his career got cut short by the heart issue because he'd still be Mm -hmm. playing today and would still be one of the fastest guys in the league. And, um, he would probably still be playing with the San Jose earthquakes and it would be awesome. And, um, it's, you know, that's just, that's life. I'm, I'm mostly happy that Marv is healthy over everything else. And that they discovered this problem before it was something entirely different. Um, but you know, his, his medical issue with his heart turned into an, an overall positive for me on the soccer hour because now I get to talk to Marv every week and um, get his takes on things and, you know, get his perspectives and his unique viewpoints and talk to him about, you know, who he thinks is kind of a punk in uh, in the league and who isn't. So, I, you know, I enjoy the hell out of that. Um, and it's it's fun to be able to represent um, soccer, give, somebody, give people an option on 1050 uh, you know, to be able to hear soccer talk and hear about US. I mean, we mainly keep it US soccer and major league soccer, but we do talk about some of the big stuff that's going on um in Europe and international play, just because you know you don't want to seem um, you know, yeah that's just what that's what everybody's talking about. You want to talk about yeah. everything. Um but yeah I mean we have we have fun with it and it's it's super it's cool to be able to give people that opportunity to turn on KMBR 1050 and hear hear some soccer talk hear Marvell win talking about what he thinks is going on, um, you know, with Atlanta and, you know, hear me opine about what I'm seeing on the pitch with Seattle. It's it's cool.
2: So for, I mean, for just me and the, any of our fans that listen to our podcast, where else would they, you know, listen to your show? Is it just strictly on, you know, uh, 1050? It's,
1: it, it's on 1050, uh, Wednesday nights at 6. It's also found on uh, anywhere you find podcasts Canbr puts mm-hmm. all their shows up on the podcast network so it's up there just search soccer hour and you'll be able to find it um and then uh trying to think if there's anywhere else they would find it yeah i mean i guess you can go to cambr.com and go to the i think they have a download or links section there of where you can find podcasted episodes as well um but yeah i mean it's you know it's the standard form um but yeah i mean it's that's what's cool is like this is another thing that didn't exist before the internet is like if you missed the soccer radio program that happened beyond in your market like well you were kind of s out of luck you were <laughs> gonna you were gonna be able to find it again but now you know with the with podcasting and the ability to go back and listen to stuff that was on the air you have that so again the, the internet has helped soccer i think more than any other sport has been helped it's at least in america just because there were all these fans who didn't have the opportunity for it before whereas now you get you know, you get the opportunity to go and listen to something you might've missed.
0: Yeah, that is a great thing to have. And being from San Diego, I I mean, being living in San Diego now, I do miss a lot of the radio stations and shows that I've listened to in in the Bay Area. So I enjoy perusing those websites and finding that those shows and everything there and still feeling connected as well as still following my favorite, uh, hosts on Twitter too. So where do you live in San Diego? So I live in this neighborhood called Scripps Ranch. It's on the yeah. Northeast corner of San Diego on the border of San Diego and Poway.
1: Yeah. I was about to say that's out in Poway. Cause uh, I think uh, Marv went to Poway high and uh, I lived in San Diego for a while from 2002 to 2005. I lived in uh, La Jolla and uh, Linda Vista um and my spot for the california burrito because i know this is uh everybody california wants to talk about their california burrito favorite i used to go to the santana's off of uh sea World and tocolate um, oh yeah off the five like that to me is like my benchmark for a california burrito i will always consider uh santana's to have the best Are, do you have a burrito uh, oh yeah and yeah, there's
0: this mexican restaurant that's maybe a two to three minute drive that it's called El Patron and their California burritos are amazing too. And I'm sure there's dozens of others in San Diego that I would oh, yeah. love to enjoy. Yes, some I already have. I've been here a bit over a year, so still so need a little bit more time to explore a few different nooks and crannies of this beautiful city, but <laughs> once it's safe to do so a bit more.
1: Nice, nice.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Marvel win, uh, so you recently added Marvel win to the show and we're going to have him on the podcast soon. And we want to know a little bit more about how that came to fruition, who reached out to who first and how that came to be. Um, he was doing work for
1: the franchise after his playing days ended. Um, and I think they wanted to use him in as many capacities as they could. Um, cause they've had him do other, uh, pregame stuff. They've had him do social media stuff. Um, and I think they knew that he wanted to do some broadcasting stuff. And they said, we have Ted weekly do this, you know, soccer show for us on 1050." 50. Um, and so they said, Ted, do you want to have Marv on with you? And I was like, yeah, sure. I was like somebody, you know, cause you, you can only like, there's a reason why there aren't that many solo shows left in sports radio. It's all gone with the <laughs> partnerships. It's like, yeah, like I, you know, like on, on, on 10 with my regular talk show, I did that for three and a half years, just like every day talking to myself mostly. And like, you can only do so much with yourself because like you you get into this weird stream of consciousness where you're disagreeing and agreeing with yourself to try and juxtapose ideas and explain yourself. Whereas like Marv and I can just straight up debate something and you can bring your kind of point of view a little bit more clearly and succinctly to get him to bounce it back and agree or disagree. Then you can kind of you know riff on each other and make fun and do all those things, whereas like you can't do that when you're by yourself. Um, so yeah, it's it's I love having Marv uh on with me and like I can talk forever, whatever, but having Marv specifically there with him, it makes it just a little bit more, I think, engaging overall. And for the listeners, I think that I probably represent more of them because, like I alluded to before, I've never, you know, I'm never gonna be able to have the perspectives that Marv has, but I can bring the same perspective that a lot of the listeners have where is like you're saying why did this happen why did he do this what was the thinking here and marv can give his athletes perspective on what i see is more of having the you know the outsider's perspective because i was never a professional athlete
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense and i think having that mix of perspectives definitely helps and just having that second person too can make some of those uh tough moments when you're doing a radio show or a podcast, uh, go away. And <laughs> I learned this from experience when I first started the Tectonic Ticks podcast, the first couple of shows were just me before Favi came on board and then will joined us too. So it, it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's just like when it's by yourself, it's like you, it's not, it's not the most natural way of talking. <laughs> yeah. just, it's like, you're like, Oh, okay. How do I, Like, you try to run into, like, you run into yourself a little bit much. So, yeah. But it's, Marv's the man. Like, he's such a nice guy. And, again, like, I'm, I like, will forever be bombed. I mean, it worked out well for me that I have a partner now with Marv on the show. But just the fact that his career got shut by, like, a heart thing out of the blue, like, it's just, it just sucks. Like, Marv should still be playing. He's 34. Mm -hmm. Like, he's still in great shape. Like, he's still has, I think the desire. And like he said, he was super down about it for a while and he was depressed after it happened. And he worked through that and he's a great dude and just worked his ass off and he deserved the opportunity to go out on his own terms. And he was denied that. Um, yeah. Which, you know, you just, you feel for the guy because you know, nobody ever knows when, you know, like when it's going to be their last time of doing everything, you know, like we often assume that we'll get the opportunity to know when it's going to be the end. And, you know, Marv didn't have the opportunity to, officially retire and this is a guy who you know represented the united states at the olympics represented the united states at the international level for soccer competition was you know one of the shut down right backs and occasionally center backs and occasionally defensive midfielders he was a guy that was a reliable you know just good player in major league soccer and then suddenly it was it was over suddenly it went from being like hey let's get ready for the 2017 season to we found an abnormality with your heart to you're in open heart surgery. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's a guy, he, I'm sure he felt invulnerable going into that. He was like, I, you know, he's like, I'm in the shape of my life, getting better with age, ready for this season. And then boom, suddenly it all comes to an end. And, you know, like I said, it worked out well for me, but I like, there's always going to be a part of me that's just hurts for Marv because he is, he's such a good person. And he deserved to have the opportunity to go out on the way he wanted to go, which, like I said, he'd still be playing today. I'm positive uh, were it not for this heart thing that came out of the blue.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've gotten to learn how, like, you are a very busy man. And, (laughs) I mean, has any of this kind of, like, kind of all been on, you have to do multiple things all in one day, or have you kind of just planned it out best that, you know?
1: No, I mean, like there have been days where literally, um, I have like trying to think what was a recent example. Before the pandemic, there was a day that I did morning sports at KCBS. So as a KCBS from five a.m. to about eleven thirty, got home, recorded the soccer hour with Marv, emailed it over to the people at KMBR, uh, drove to the earthquakes to do the game and then concurrently the sharks were going on and i had to get notes from my buddy because it was during the playoffs and we were doing a a morning tide every day usually during the season morning tides once a week playoffs it's after every game so i had my buddy take notes because i only got to see the third period so then i had to go and record morning tide as soon as the earthquakes game ended and it, you know, it was like literally from like five, you know, I got to KMBR at five AM or excuse me to KCBS at five AM, which may and I have been up for a while at that point. So like the day literally started probably out of bed at like 2 30 and then got home at like 1 a.m. Like there, like there are days that are like that that are just crazy. But like I always like four days that are crazy like that. I'm like, you know, I'm getting paid to talk about sports. Like it's really, like it's really, really fun. Like you know, like it's not everybody wants to do it because it's like, my friends look at me like, dude, I know you're getting paid to get talk about sports, but that's absolutely insane. But like, yeah, it's a little, like, it was a little harsh. There was, there was some coffee involved, but it's fun. You know, like you get, you get to do things that you love and with it is some craziness and broadcasting is an inherently wild industry where you can get, you know, fired at a moment's notice for something that has nothing to do with you. Um, You know, and that's just how it goes. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, that was. The, there are days like that that are really long, and you do multiple different jobs. But again, it's talking about sports and going and getting the opportunity to perform and do these things that you really enjoy. And uh, you know, it's part of the territory. It's yeah. it's hard. It's long, but dude, it's super. It's super fun. Like it's it's worth <laughs> it's worth the sleep that 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 comes hard and fast as soon as your head hits the pillow when you get home.
0: Right. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible experience. Uh, We're glad to be a part of this uh, community in the podcast realm. And, you know, who knows what the future might hold. But uh, where are some of the other podcasts you enjoy listening to? You can include soccer podcasts, you can include sports podcasts, or maybe there's some other genre that you really enjoy and you'd like to share.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I listen to – Extra Time, the official MLS podcast, because Mm -hmm. I always want to get the national perspective. And unlike a lot of uh, national perspectives, the guys on MLSsoccer.com really, really know their stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Matt Doyle, Andrew Wiebe, Kalen Carr, um, David Goss, like all those guys. They're really, really good. I really enjoy their takes. Uh, Susanna Collins as well. They know all their stuff uh, inside and out. And I really enjoy what they do. Um, I listen to Sirius XMFC. I know that's not a podcast per se, but um I, I'm good friends with Brian Dunseth. the of course, who's one of the two co-hosts of Counterattack, Um, and he does the RSL TV uh for their uh their color announcing. He does some color for ESPN and Fox Sports sometimes as well. But I listen to that and I also listen to Jason Davis's United States of Soccer on that. Um I listen to Men in Blazers sometimes. I listen to ESPN FC sometimes. Um I trying to think what other soccer podcasts do I listen to? I mean, I learned about your guys podcast through Reddit because I'm on the subreddit for the San Jose earthquakes. So I'm always lurking. I don't post a whole lot. Cause I worry people think that I'm just going to be a shill, but that's how I learned about you guys initially. Um, I, um, I, you know, I I've listened to I'm trying to think black and Azul, which is another, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention a rival podcast on here.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> no, 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 no it's okay. <laughs> we, well, I've watched those podcasts too, so that's yeah. totally
1: fine. But, like, that's the thing is, like, I like we need more of this stuff in the soccer community because, like like I said, with the NFL, you can't walk out the door without having something. She's like, did you hear about the bowel movement Tom Brady had this morning? It's like, <laughs> "Oh, like, I just woke up. Like, uh, but that's, like, that's how it is, man. Like, and yeah. so, like, I, I want soccer to be like that. I want Major League Soccer to be at that level where I'm like, I, yeah, it's unavoidable. So like you, you, like for me, my perspective is like, yeah, it's like one hour a week of the soccer hour is not enough. Then it's on you guys. And then it's on yeah. black and Azul. And then it's on all the other um dudes who are out there doing podcasts and other multimedia ventures. Like that's, it's awesome. Like we need it. Like, and I love it. Um, yeah. But you know, like that. So those are like the ones that I listed are my main soccer ones. Um, And then Outside of soccer, I because I'm a white male in my 30s, I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I don't agree with a lot of Joe Rogan's takes, but he's very entertaining in his guests. I don't know if you guys saw the one he did yesterday with the conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. Oh, dude, it's
0: w- check that
1: out. <laughs> it's like it's so insane and crazy, but like it's hilarious. So I listen to that because he has people on. Um, and I listen to a lot of the NPR stuff, this American life, uh, WNYC radio (laughs) lab. Um, I've been listening to the, uh, the rich white parents podcast that they put out, (laughs) um, which is about public schools in New York. Um, I've been trying to, what's something that I, you know, like whenever there's a good true crime podcast, I'll listen to that. Um, my favorite one was the monster. Uh, one that I think that's that was a Wondery production that they did on the Atlanta Child Murderers, and they've also done one on the uh, uh the Zodiac Killer, and they also did one on the DC Sniper. That's a good series. Uh, the TED Radio Hour is good, and that's not just an egotistical thing, the <laughs> TED Talks thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, thing is, like, growing up with a dad who was in radio, like, I've always been a, all about the auditory medium and being able to listen to stuff. Um, so like, you know, I driving to San Francisco and San Jose and Oakland and getting everywhere around like I I'm listening to a lot of the radio stations I'm listening to podcasts I'm listening to Sirius um so I try to take a lot in and keep well versed and keep uh keep aware of everything that's going on and not just get stuck in sports I mean most of my listening is sports just because that's you know that's that's what I what's what I do and I want to hear other people have and like it serves as prep in a way like it gets super cool that I can go and like drive to a game and listen to a podcast about the colorado rapids like that wasn't a thing 15 years ago <laughs> like like mm-hmm. nobody nobody was doing a rapid i don't i mean it's possible i don't think they were but like that was not around so now like i have that opportunity of been like what's like i can do all the research in the world but because i'm not a rapids fan or media member there's just going to be stuff that i inherently might not be aware of so if i go find a podcast then i'm going to be made aware of it because the media journalists and the fan aspect of that's involved in all of that. Like I'm going to learn something that I didn't know. So it's, it's cool. Like you get the, that's like the great thing about podcasts is that now they offer so much more than what just traditional sports talk radio offered before. Um, do you guys think there's any other than your own program, obviously, is there anything I should be listening to that you guys are currently in on?
2: Um, I think one that we've had guests on before um, uh, is Quakes After 90. I mean, oh, for, yeah. another, for another mm-hmm. one, I, I mean, I figured you probably heard of them. I mean, you, yeah. you just named like a thousand podcasts. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we have any more to add on after that, um, but I don't know. Ivan, you think of uh, anyone on top of the head that after he didn't name after. So a lot in, in the realms of soccer, I think we covered like the Quakes
0: ones for sure. Uh, there might be a few others and, they're good too because, you know, the Quake's community as a whole is so knowledgeable about the sport. So definitely check out as many as you can. Um in terms of soccer, I listened to Alexi Lawless's podcast. I mm-hmm. think he, he's he's an interesting person. I you know, he's one of those people where like you either agree or disagree with him on most things. Like there's very little like in between, but like he, he does offer a really valid perspective. And um, in some other genres of podcasts I listen to, like my introduction to podcasts was through reality TV, such as Survivor and Big Brother. Um, Rob has a podcast, is the main one that I listen to. That's the uh, podcast where I really like listen to almost every podcast that came out in some points like during college and stuff. So yeah, there's it's a great big world out there when it comes to podcasts. So. And nice. um, we're glad to be a
1: part of it, yeah, no, for sure it's it's a super cool medium, and uh I think more of traditional radio probably should be learning about what podcasting has been doing, uh, but again, that's another long winded uh, long winded discussion for another time,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, inside, aside from like the U S and San Jose related soccer stuff that obviously we've been talking about and like what, I mean, I know we mentioned some other leagues, but is there any other ones you really actually just key and follow on that you really pay attention to other than, you know, um,
1: I try to pay attention to the EPL, but it's hard because like when a lot of people are watching those games, I might have other stuff going on. Like, you know, like having to do the sports reporting for KCBS is like, I'm trying to pay attention to the giants and A's and Niners mm-hmm. and warriors and quakes and sharks, (laughs) but like, I usually, I keep up on the EPL and I try and uh, keep aware of like champions league stuff. But like, if I, if I, if I had more, I would make sure I was more in on La Liga as well because that, you know, the super teams in that league are just unbelievable. Um, And like I said, I really enjoyed when I was getting into the German league, when they were the first team back from uh, coronavirus and then um, then major league soccer started coming back and that kind of started taking all my attention away um, but yeah, I mean, like, and I'd like to get more into Liga MX as well, just because it's you know, it's our neighbor and they have a lot of good teams, like what you know, what Monterey has become, you know, what chivas has historically been. It's just like there's there's a lot of cool storylines that we associate with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like m- mainly I stick with MLS and US soccer and the international stuff. But like yeah. the next closest one would be the EPL for me, just because it's it's so readily available. And like I said, on you know, on the weekends, on the morning, I can get up and I can, you know, have my coffee and watch that and get ready with it. And we're the great thing. The great thing is when we're on the road on the East coast, it's actually on at a reasonable time. It's, yeah. you know, it's like, that's the thing about living in California is you're like, all right, it's five I'm going to drink my coffee yeah. and watch this. And it's like, it's, it's a little bit different when it's like nine o'clock in the morning and you're like, oh, I'm you know more naturally awake now. And I'm watching, you know, Everton, this is a bit more normal. So, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, the EPL will be the next closest one um, that I keep the closest tabs on. Speaking of Everton, I don't know if anybody had them, you know, kind of shooting out of the gate like this, but there's a uh, there's oh, a long, boy. long way to go. So we'll see what uh, what it has to bring. And also, about Lester being up there once again, that was the coolest. Oh, yeah. story In like 50 years, a couple of years ago when they won the league title, Um, in the exploits of uh, Jamie Vardy at that point. But it'll be cool to see where this all goes. Um, and then Marv, like Ryan Covey, is a big Liverpool fan. Um, so you know there might be some <laughs> there might be some texting during the year that uh, that's antagonistic towards them. And not that I'm particularly anti-Liverpool. <laughs> I'm just anti- I'm just in, into giving Marv and Ryan Covey a hard time sometimes.
0: Yeah. So for me the three leagues that I follow the most, the ones that I have a club that I root for the most being, so Liga Mequis is a Chivas fan. My family came from the uh, state of Jalisco and Mexico and Chivas were a huge deal. They're essentially like, you know, it's, that's their Lakers. Like it's an incredible team. And then obviously growing up in the Bay area, I grew in attachment sales, earthquakes, and then Manchester United were just one of the first few teams in Europe that I heard of. And then I started watching them and it was incredible. And, I enjoyed following them ever since. And then then like the Tier 2 t- leagues that I follow are leagues like the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, mm-hmm. Ligon, a little bit of Eredivisie. And then here and there, I enjoy popping in at the USL Championship. I started oh, following sure. that a bit more as here in the uh, Beautiful Game Network that the majority of the podcasts are USL-based. And there's a few of us MLS, but it's, it's very much USL as well. And, you know, sometimes I find myself checking the league tables of so many random leagues. Like I'll check J league, (laughs) I'll check Australian, a league, you know, I think the next evolution for like ESPN and other sports apps, I think along with score updates and notifications, I think maybe once a week to have the option to get a table notification because Even for some of the leagues that maybe don't uh, broadcast as regularly in the United States, like the EFL Championship, for example, like that would be a great way to be a reminder Oh, like, oh, West Brom look like they're going to promote or something, you know? Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, that's a good idea. That's, that's, yeah, I kind of wish it was. I mean, I think like everybody saw leads coming, but um, because we thought it would happen previously, I think. Yeah. um, You know, like, that that's a really good idea, actually. I you should you should sell that to ESPN or, or Yahoo yeah, Sports. Yeah, we'll see.
2: I'll, I'll like, see I have a push if,
1: alert idea for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. If the if they go for it, but yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you'd like the listeners to know before we get into our a couple of fan questions?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, just <laughs> uh, you know uh. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've covered a lot of stuff. You know, I, I'm probably missing something entirely obvious uh, because I suffer from, uh, you know, male pattern blindness where, you know, you just miss the glaring issue that you should be addressing. Uh, But uh, no, I mean, like, you know, just join, you know, follow me on social media at Ted Ramey media. That's for my Twitter handle. Um, That's where I do most of my activity uh, anyway. And, you know, like I try to, Keep people abreast of stuff going on with the quakes, broadcast links, um, anything I do with the the quakes, you know, that's where you that's where I that's where I pump it all to make sure people are aware of it. But uh, you know, the other thing would just be for people to know that you know how much fun I have doing, you know, the earthquakes and the sharks and working for those two teams and being able to, mm-hmm. you know, represent them. Like it's it's a blast. Like I get a kick out of it. Like I, you know, I've been able to travel all over North America with the San Jose earthquakes. Like that's that's an inc- incredible thing. And I always tell people that the first time it really hit me, how cool it was. Like, I knew it was like when I got hired by the earthquakes in 2014, I knew it was amazing. I was like, this is, you know, this is the type of thing that you, you know, dream about. But we were in Portland and we were taking a picture of, you remember, it was the epicenter of soccer campaign they were doing, like how many miles you were from where the new stadium would be. And Mm -hmm. I was sitting there doing a, a photo shoot and all of the Timbers Army started booing me and i was like oh they hate me because i'm an earthquake i was like this is the coolest mm-hmm. thing ever i was like they don't hate me they hate me that i i'm representing this earthquakes laundry and i just mm-hmm. i thought that was the greatest thing ever and that's how i became obsessed with going into visiting stadiums and i'm like this is enemy territory they don't like us here and that makes me like it even more so like that was like really what made it hammer home of how what what a cool opportunity it is. And it's something that I don't take lightly and that I, uh, I really try to make the most out of uh, with not just every passing game broadcast, but every passing day, I always want it to be, you know, the soccer hour to be better, the game broadcast to be better, just to, you know, have a, an awesome time with it and make sure that anybody who tunes in is having an awesome time with it as well. Right.
0: That's incredible. Uh, So the first fan question comes from Ricardo Cardillo from Facebook asks, what do you think is going to happen for the next three years for uh, for the earthquakes? And do you, do we have the right coach for this era in MLS?
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of going long-term, I think you're just going to see more of a production of the system than Matias Almeida is trying to do. He's going to acquire more of the players that he sees fitting his system. Um, And I think that he is, Trending in the right direction. It looks like the earthquakes are going to get into the playoffs this year. And, you know, that's knock on wood, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it looks like that's the way it's going. And if that's what it is, that's an first year of Matias Almeida was an improvement over 2018. This year would ostensibly be an improvement over what 2019 was if they make the playoffs. Another year of his system, you would hope that it yields even greater results and that it keeps trending in that direction. I think Matias Almeida is the right coach. I know a lot of people are very tactical or very critical of his tactics. Um, and listen, there's an argument for and against him every day of the week for every coach in the world. Um, you know, we can talk pep, uh, we can talk, you know, Matias know. Almeida, we can talk whoever's tactics you want to get into. There's gonna be people who are for him and who are against him. But I think the what the earthquakes put on the pitch is entertaining, first and foremost. But um, I, I like what Matias Almeida is doing. And uh, he cares and he, uh, you know, I think he is the right coach for this moment in Major League Soccer. And I think that he's going to help the Earthquakes continue to get quality players and build quality players. Because think about Cade Cowell. Like, if the rumors about Barcelona are true, they probably are even that much more intrigued because they're saying that he's already getting this backbone from Matias Almeida, a guy who is notorious for making his teams get in insanely good shape. And they're saying he's already getting developed to the point where he's scoring and getting assists on at, 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 you know, a league as good as Major League Soccer. I'm sure Barcelona is licking their chops because Matias Almeida's pedigree is what it is.
0: Yeah, I think it's exciting times. I think it's really hard to tell, especially in MLS, like, oh, this team is going to win this championship in a year or five years or whatever because there's so many moving parts this is a very transitional league where players are coming and going for various reasons and teams can rise and fall very quickly. So I think right now, the way things are trending, I would say that the quakes have the foundation to become a consistent playoff team. And then you go from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you want to hope for the consistency. First. I mean, look at the sounders. They just made their 12 straight playoffs. And they have every year since they've been in the league, so Bright. you know that's 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 quite a benchmark. But that's what you want to be. So let's yeah. let's try and be that.
0: <laughs> and they made a few shockwaves with that tweet. It's like oh, we're not going to put an X in our name. We don't care about qualifying for the playoffs. We expect that. So yeah, we're just <laughs> that's that was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they've earned they've earned that. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's the way that that's the way it goes. But good for them. I mean, right? I mean, yeah, that's...
2: yeah, you gotta tip your hat. <laughs> Yeah, another uh, fan question that we have is from Kevin Portillo from Facebook asks, uh, how likely would Fisher cash out for Fierro and for JG Macias.
1: You know, I saw the Macias rumors on Reddit. Um I have no idea. Um and I don't think I think they look at Carlos Fierro as a player is still coming into his own with the Earthquakes. So I don't I don't know if that discussion is being had. You know, it's it's really hard for me to gauge questions like that. I just know that I think the Earthquakes will figure out with Matias Almeida and Jesse Ellie. I think they have a really good working relationship. Um, you know, like when I've been on the road, you know, I, I see that, you know, Matias and Jesse are, you know, out walking around, having coffee, eating together, doing their things. It's a really good working relationship. I just think the two of them will figure out what's best for the team. I think that if they, if they feel that it's, you know, if something's a good fit, I think they'll do it. But I don't think, I, I think that there's been a lot of, you know, Thoughts on Fierro that he hasn't been as what people were kind of hoping for. But lately he's coming into his own and he's been more productive, Um, you know, in the near, in the recent history than Vaco has. Vaco has kind of quieted down and then he left for his international duty. And suddenly Fierro has been scoring goals and adding up so some assists. So uh, you like to see it. Um, So, you know, I, I it's, I can't give a definitive answer on that because I don't yeah. know, but you know, yeah. it's, I think that they will do whatever they feel is best for the team.
0: Yeah. Our, our fans here on the podcast, they love to throw some curveballs with these questions and we appreciate it. It's a challenge for sure. And we'd like to give you the best possible answers, but uh, some, sometimes it's easier said than done, but thank you guys so much Ricardo and Kevin for that Uh, on the topic of vodka real quick. i Definitely want to wish him and Georgia the best of luck because we'd love to see San Jose Earthquakes players in the Euros next year. And they just need to overcome one more hurdle in North Macedonia to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Vaco's a good player, man. Like I, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's just, it comes in in droves for him. It's like, suddenly it's there and then it'll quiet down and it'll come back. Um, and the one thing that I really appreciate is because a lot of people used to criticize him for his defensive effort or lack thereof, but under Matias Almeida, his defensive effort has been really, really good. So, you know, like I think that what fans used to complain about is kind of toned down a little bit. Sometimes he misses some open players, but uh his work rate um is really much higher than it was previously. And uh, you know, he's he's good. I think that he's just he's in he, it's streaky with him. I think that's what the part of where the frustration with Baco stems.
0: Yeah. And I do want to leave you with this. Uh, I did check this. So if you want to be like me and look to FIFA 21 for some inspiration. So the oldest player in that game is Kai- Kazuyoshi Mira, King Kazu. He's 53 years old and he plays for Yokohama FC in the J League. So <laughs> your window is possibly bigger than you might think. So- yes,
1: that's the important <laughs>
0: Like, but like, like, here's the
1: thing. I'll tell you guys the game that I've been playing ever since I started working with the earthquakes game it. notes come out. I look and I see on the other t- roster who's older than me. And like, I think Beckerman is one of like two or three guys left in the league. And like, I, like Beckerman's only the immediate name I can think of. And it's just like, Oh, uh, I'm getting old. Like this is, it like Beckerman. He's like April of 92 and I'm July or April of 82. And I'm July of 82. And Wando's January of 83. <laughs> um and like and it used to be a lot more there was a lot more dudes who were in the league and who were older than me and like it just gets less and less with each year and i'm like oh no 40's coming <laughs> it's like it's it's just but it, like I, I get a laugh out of it but uh yeah, yeah i mean like and like and then like ramondo when he announced his retirement i was like well there's a big one he was well <laughs> over 40. <laughs>
0: yeah oh yeah the- That's definitely something that I was thinking about with (laughs) RSL playing against them in the Western conference in this season for the first time, not with Nick Ramondo is a big deal. So, yeah. And And how about
1: uh, about this Beckerman played for a Miami franchise, saw them (laughs) collapse and now would have had this year kind of not gone haywire with the virus he would have played the new Miami franchise.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Miami Fusion was his initial team there, and then now we got Inter-Miami. <laughs> yeah, he should have never cut his hair.
1: <laughs> I know, dude. He looked so good with the with the dreadlocks. It was just like, come on. Also, for me, selfishly, is a play-by-play announcer, it was like, oh, this is completely easy for me to identify. And then he then looked like everybody else out there on the pitch. It's like same thing when uh, Nat Borchers retired. Uh, and then my, my next fear is that Lala Sabubakar is going to shave his head. I'm like, bro, come on. Oh, like, <laughs> oh man.
0: Lala Sabubakar's hair is great. Like it's, oh, it's he unreal. has that, um, Lala Sububikar has the Robbie Anderson, the wide receiver for the Panthers yeah. haircut. It's <laughs> so great. And he doesn't have to hide it in a helmet. So no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Ted, for your time. This is a great conversation. We touched on so many different topics and that was a joy thank
1: you yeah thank you guys yeah i mean like like i said anybody wants to talk quakes i'm like yeah this these are people that are near and dear to me and uh, i'm always down to talk about the quakes i think the work that you guys are doing is awesome and it's all part of the you know greater good for the game and for the league and for the sport and it's just it's awesome man and like i appreciate it very much and the fans want it. I think that's the most important thing is like, there is the audience there that previously was not being met and you guys are taking part and giving people what they want and more talk about the quakes and major league soccer. And uh, I respect the hell out of you guys for doing that. And thank you very much for having me on Uh, anybody that wants to put up with me for a couple hours. There's like my wife and like no one else. So uh, I give you guys props.
2: All right. Yeah. Appreciate all your time. I really do.
1: No problem. You guys be good. Reach out anytime. Go Quakes. Yeah,
2: we'll do. Go Quakes. Go Quakes. Have a good night. See ya. See ya.
0: Alright, so we want to thank our sponsor once again, Roughnecks Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US soccer. Get custom scarves to your group or team at roughnecksscarves.com and also tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday League squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. And we are still open to suggestions. If you want to see a Tectonic Takes kit, and we'll share it on social media and we'll support k or not Icarus Icarusfc dot com <laughs> for you Smash Bros fans out there you probably know why I made that mistake but that was a great podcast Will it was a lot of fun and yeah, you know uh, the
2: time flew by time definitely flew by Ted had so much to say I mean it was awesome to listen to him and all his things from you know from his beginning to everything it was great and I I mean it was it was a long time but it was a good time
0: yeah he's the type of person that I think he's a jack of all trades he could do so many things well but i think he's at the right place for him at kmbr and all the other shows he does he puts his heart and soul into everything he does and he's an inspiration for us here
2: yeah 100 couldn't, couldn't agree more
0: but for now that's all from us here at tectonic
2: takes thank you again will you. for your work of course thank you and let's go quakes, go quakes. Go. The bed under the bed, 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 the